Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, your host, and the clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. For today's episode, we welcome Kayla Erickson from our product management team at Mayo Clinic Laboratories for a test and focus interview with Dr. Murray. Thank you for that introduction, Dr. Pritt. Today, we're going to be discussing a new and novel test that we have here at Mayo Clinic. Uh, we've coined it MassFix. But before we really dig into the test itself, um, we're here today talking with Dr. David Murray from our Protein Immunology Laboratory, who is one of the uh, creators of this testing and uh, runs the laboratory that's going to be performing it. Dr. Murray, as we get started today, could you tell us a little bit more about uh, yourself and your background here at Mayo? Sure, I'd be glad to. My background here at Mayo is I'm actually a pathologist at Mayo Clinic. I trained here as a pathologist, but I had a career before I became a physician. I was a PhD chemist. I spent time working at both Dow Corning Chemical Company and also uh, Eastman Chemical Company. I think that made my background sort of a good fit for the clinical lab because I worked in many different environments, including industry and chemistry. And I think that my background was kind of uniquely uh, put together for, for being able to pull this assay off. One of the interesting points I saw in your bio is that you actually have 38 patents currently, correct? And one of them has to do with the testing we're going to talk about today, mass fix. So as you develop this assay, can you just give us a brief overview of it and, and how it works? Sure. I, I can remember when I was training as a resident that I actually went into the, into the lab where we test for monoclonal proteins. Being an industrial chemist, I was kind of taken back a little bit that we were still doing it by a manual process with gels. And I couldn't help but just keep thinking, uh, well, there has to be a better way to do this. And so we went through a lot of iterations. So uh, we kind of settled on mass spectrometers because the advancement in this equipment has far out exceeded what we now know in the, as electrophoresis in the lab. And uh, so I thought, okay, there should be a way to make this work on mass spectrometry. But it took a couple iterations. We started out with traditional proteomics, cutting the protein up and uh, looking for unique peptides from the variable region of some of these monoclonal proteins. But we realized that that wouldn't really work in a, as a way to screen for a lot of patients. And eventually we settled on uh, looking at the mass distribution of the light chain portion of these M proteins. And when you do that, you can detect these monoclonal proteins in a very similar fashion as we do now, in, in some ways as a spike over top the polyclonal background. But the, with the added advantage of using these modern mass spectrometers, you have much better sensitivity and resolution. So those came in as part of it. And also, uh, it was a chance when we went with this new assay to kind of relook at the automation. Traditional immunofixation is still a very manual process, very labor intensive. So we looked, took this opportunity also to kind of modernize the process so that we could then take advantage of some of the modern liquid handlers and uh, mass spectrometers and automated barcoding, things like that. For us, it kind of represented a really good change for the lab. So Dr. Murray, you mentioned immunofixation. Now that's a test that's been around since the 1960s. And every time I think about that test, I, I think about like those gels that I used to run in my biology class in college. Um, it was very time and labor intensive. Now, 
we have the new mass spec testing that you're talking about as that alternative. And you mentioned that it's more sensitive and specific. But as you compare those two methods, what are some of the things that you're seeing that are the advantages of this new test? Yeah, so immunofixation has served the field very well. It has advanced the field, but there's, there's things changing, Kayla, in the actual disease of multiple myeloma. You know, back when immunofixation was first used in the lab, multiple myeloma was, and sort of still is considered incurable. But what's happening now is the advancements in drugs now are starting to really push some of these patients into really low levels of disease, which is a very good thing for patients. But we found that immunofixation is uh, not really capable of giving us the analytical sensitivity we need to keep monitoring these patients. You know, there's hope now that we're getting closer and closer to a cure for multiple myeloma. And so for that to happen and to detect these small levels of disease, we need more sensitive tests. So I see that as one of the advantages that we brought here. And also, as probably many listeners are aware, there's now monoclonal therapeutics that are everywhere. And it becomes very difficult in the lab to look for monoclonal immunoglobins as a marker of disease when patients are being treated with it with very similar monoclonal proteins as part of their treatment. So both of these things have sort of pushed a lot of the electrophoretic methods into uh, towards their analytical limits. A testament to that is that, you know, we offer here at Mayo a lot of bone marrow testing for looking for low-level disease and myeloma. But we're really hoping to try to find some way to supplement that with a serum-based test. Bone marrow, you can maybe, you know, patients don't really enjoy having bone marrow biopsies, I'm sure. They're expensive. And so there, there's only a limited time you can look. So a blood-based test that would help with that, uh, help stratify patients into who needs further treatment or, or when they possibly could be relapsing, I think was uh, one of the goals that we set out to do with this assay. And so I think the increased sensitivity, the specificity have all been uh, pretty evident in this uh, development to the point now where you know, here at Mayo Clinic, uh, all of our patients are tested by the new, the new method. Wow, I think that's really interesting that we've fully transitioned over here at Mayo. Um, it's been, the test has been available for a couple of years. And I think what we've learned here in, in Mayo at Rochester is that the benefits that this test offer us really do have value for our patients. So you mentioned two points in which we would do this testing for patients. You mentioned we would do it upfront when we're screening. And then you mentioned monitoring after our patients are being treated with some of those, those therapeutics that are out there. So question for you, when should patients really have this testing? And when are we performing it here at Mayo? So immunofixation now here at Mayo is used everywhere we use traditional IFB. So it's used both in screening when we have a question whether the patient has a monoclonal protein. And I think that decision was really based off of some very good clinical studies we did here at Mayo Clinic. A lot of people may be aware of the Olmstead County study that was done here at Mayo Clinic, started by Bob Kyle. He performed screening of the population over the age of 50 here in Olmstead County. He had screened 17,000 people in that study. And from that, uh, we saw that the basis of uh, Mugus was uh, 3% of the population over the age of 50. 
But recently, we went back to those same study patients because some of those study patients that were in the early study who were tested negative back when uh, Dr. Kyle did that in the late 1990s, some of those patients came back later and actually got the disease. And so we wondered if the new assay that we're doing would have detected some of those patients earlier in their clinical uh, progression of this disease. And sure enough, we went back and we screened those patients and we saw that traditional immunofixation, the, the modern immunofixation would have only found about maybe 12% of those patients where the mass spec assay will pick up 50% of those patients. There's good data out there that shows that if a patient, if you know the patient has the precursor to myeloma, which is mugus before they uh, end up having myeloma, they tend to have better outcomes because of that, that knowledge. So I think the assay in terms of a screening has been helpful in that. The other benefit that we have is this, uh, I always say with new eyes, you see new things. And the mass spec, because we're doing a mass, we're weighing these things. We started to detect these uh, immunoglobulins that had glycosylation on their light chains. We, they've probably always been part of this disease process, but we didn't really fully appreciate them until this new asset came along. And to our surprise and to, uh, I think a lot of people are surprised that these really are a different sort of type of disease we've seen in myeloma. Patients with these glycosylated light chains are more likely to go on and to get either amyloid or even multiple myeloma. We still don't understand that, but it's one of the benefits that we see for screening. The other benefit we see here at Mayo is that, you know, a lot of these patients now are on these monoclonal therapeutics, daratumumab, elotuzumab. Isotuximab, these are all drugs that are now being given to the patients, clinically approved. And uh, there are some assays out there that help us clear these interferences from these drugs, and they are commercially available. But what we found was by just weighing the, the mass of the M protein, we know the weight of the drug, we're able then to be able to detect, okay, this monoclonal G kappa that we're detecting in this patient has the same mass as the drug. And so we're able to tell the clinician, look, this, this could be the drug, uh, not the clone. And, and uh, the benefit of that was too, is it works for all the drugs. We just simply weigh the drugs that are coming in and then we can make some sort of, can't say you for 100% that it's the drug, but we can give you a good indication that, hey, this monoclonal protein weighs the exact same as the drug that we see. And so that helps, patient, helps physicians be able to, to understand, well, this might be more the drug than actual disease. So. So you brought up two really interesting points. So on the screening side, this test is really helping us to best understand our patients and allow for that earlier detection and earlier intervention, which we know in just about every cancer is so important. But you also brought up that because of those glycosylated light chains, I'm getting that right, correct? Yes. Okay, so because of those glycosylated light chains, we're actually able to pick out which patients we really probably have a higher risk of transitioning to those more aggressive disease states. And it just kind of gives us a focus on, they may need to be monitored or looked at a little bit differently or a little bit more heavily. I think that's so important that we're able to start identifying who these people are earlier. To me, that's really cool. And then you mentioned on the monitoring side, we're just able to really give clinicians an accurate understanding of what's going on with their patient as they're going through therapy. And again, I think that's so important because again, they're getting bone marrows, they're getting these very aggressive therapies, and it's really helping us to understand where is my patient at and help them sort of plan for the future. I just think it's really cool. 
So the last question that I have for you is you have done a ton of research um, using this testing specifically for multiple myeloma, amyloidosis, and now also cold agglutination disease. So what do you think is one of the most interesting findings as you've gone through this whole process and, and worked to develop and validate this testing? Which one really stands out to you more than anything? We certainly have done a lot of clinical testing and a lot of research, and we've done a lot of studies and we've published a lot of things. But honestly, for me, it's some of the uh, personal things that happened. I know we had a patient here who was referred to us by an outside institution who they thought had this disease, uh, AL amyloidosis, and nobody could pin down the monoclonal protein. And using this new method, we were able to find it in that patient and uh, just receiving letters of thanks from that patient because we were able to do that. I have to say that tops all the clinical uh, <laughs> research that I've done because in the end, that's the real heart of this is that we wanna see patients, individuals who have these diseases get better diagnosis and possibly better outcomes for these diseases. So for me, yes, I have a lot of good clinical findings. You know, the, the glycosylation story to me is very satisfying. The uh, ability to detect disease at lower levels is very satisfying. But without that patient and getting the feedback from that single patient, that to me is probably the most satisfying part of the whole process. Made all the work worth it. You know, and it really brings me back to what we're here for at Mayo. You know, it's the needs of the patient come first. And what you've done is obviously making a difference in people's lives and helping to give people a, a better quality of life too. I just think it's amazing and absolutely beautiful. For those of you who are interested in some of the research publications that are out there, if you actually scroll down and look below our podcast here, you'll see two pieces of information. We actually have a webinar really digging where Dr. Murray really digs into the mass fix testing and what it's capable of doing, as well as we have a listing of some of those publications that Dr. Murray and his team have put out. And I think you're actually well over 60 at this point. Am I correct? Yes, I believe so. I, I haven't counted. <laughs> <laughs> I tried and kind of gave up all that. <laughs> but Dr. Murray, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate you talking to us. And I'm just really excited about this test because it seems like every time I hear about it, there's something new, there's something better for our patients, and there's something better for our, our clients and clinicians as well. And I, I have to say that, you know, even though I'm here on the podcast, there's a lot of people here at Mayo Clinic who helped with this and and uh, was a great team effort. I just get to be the spokesman today, and um, but I'd be amiss not to give credit to a lot of people here at Mayo Clinic who worked very diligently on this assay. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I like uh, being here so much. So thanks again for your time, Dr. Murray. It is greatly appreciated. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.